0: know that uh, the word of God is not antiquated, it's not out of date, it's real, it's real time, and God can speak to us right where we are, God can move right where we are. And I am just so excited because uh, our overseers today, Pastor Mark and Pastor Sandy, have a word for us. How many of you want to lean into that word? How many of you don't want to have church, but you want to have a real encounter with Jesus? And so, man, let's lean in. And as we welcome them up, can you stand to your feet and give them a hand? We welcome you. Thank you for being here and speaking a word to us. look good man they look good (laughs) (laughs) we were walking in you may be seated we were walking into dinner the other night down near the quarter and and there was a young man leaning against the building as some folks do if you've ever been down there you know and he looked up at pastor and he said you look like Brad Pitt (laughs) 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 and uh, it was so funny because Uh, You know, I I know uh, a lot of folks down there, they're just trying to find life, you know. But I really believe the anointing on Pastor and on Leah just bring life into the room. You know what I mean? And uh, Frank, I'm so glad you came because these people are real. You need to be around people that love you and people that are real. And I tell you what, I don't know if you have a church home, but if you don't, these people are real. And you're always welcome here, all right? Well, um, I got a word that I want to bring today, and I, but I want, to, uh, I want to tell you before I do a couple of things. First of all, Sandy and I are so honored to be here. This is our second time in the city with you, and, and uh, we're part of Gateway Church, and Gateway has a, a network called Gateway Church Network, <laughs> original, right? Gateway Church Network, and um, Church 54 is part of that network. So, Pastor Evan and I, we talk all the time. I call and pray for him. He calls and prays for me. We troubleshoot just about things and just hearing God together and dreaming together about what God wants to do with this church. And I'm so excited about this church. And uh, when he says oversight, I think more just friend. I really do. I just want to be a friend. I really want to hear God with you and walk this journey with you. God's up to some pretty big things in this place, and so I'm excited about that. Second thing I want to say to you is please forgive us up front today, but we could only find one flight home uh, today, and so as soon as the service is over, uh, we're going to have to jet out, so we won't be able to stay around and talk and pray for folks, and I love to do that, so please don't take offense at that. We just couldn't find another flight home. Matter of fact, the other day, I thought I found one. I went on the the website there, and I saw 6:45, and I'm thinking, "Oh man, that's great!" And I bought it. Next day, Sandy said, "Did you realize that was 6:45 a.m.?" No. Oh, that won't work. So I had to go back <laughs> and change it. So anyway, please don't take offense at us leaving. It doesn't mean anything other than we we've got to to dart out to catch a plane. Okay. Last thing, I don't know if this is an apology or or just, or, or an explanation, but. You know how sometimes you get to reading something in Scripture, and you, you just get a glimpse of something, and it just stops you in your tracks? I was preaching a couple weeks ago, and that happened to me. I was just reading a Scripture as I was kind of passing through it, and I thought, oh my goodness, i got to go back. And as I went back later in my quiet time and started reading it, I began to pray for myself that God would give me eyes to see. Because as I would read the scripture, it's like I, I could tell there were depths to this scripture that I had to know. It was almost like I knew my life depended on what this said. I had to get it. I didn't just have to get it here. I had to get it here. I had to, to soak in it. You know, there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and being soaked and saturated in the Holy Spirit. And the same way with this word. And so I going to tell you, it's not complete. If you don't care, if you don't mind, I'm going to try it out on you, okay? Because I don't know if I'm 10% into it or 20% into it or today together we're going to get 30% into it. But I've, I've got to tell you what I'm seeing and I challenge you, go dig in it some more. Okay? Can I just tell you, I tasted some water and it's good. And I'm going to tell you where the well is and you go taste it yourself. Is that okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. And God, I pray today for all of us, myself included, you'd give us eyes to see. And Lord, I give you praise for, for what you do in, in your word and by your spirit, and I ask you to meet with us today. Lord, we believe you're here. Scripture says, we're two or three gather in my name, you're there in their midst. Lord, you said you inhabit the praises of your people, and we have praised you today. We have honored you today, and we come today to receive from you. So Lord, we ask you, open our eyes, open our hearts, and let us see in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Scripture says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going to read that part again. Verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Being transformed into the same image. I want to look like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be full of Jesus. I want to be transformed into the same image, not kind of the same image. I want to be transformed into the same image. I want God to do everything in me He wants to do so that He can do everything in me, pardon me, everything through me He wants to do. I saw that smoke come up, and I thought, oh, my goodness, He's here. <laughs> Scared me to death. You know, in the Word, in the word when people turn and there's an angel, and the first thing the angel says is, fear not. Like, ah! <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord. And as I began to read that scripture, God began to speak some things to me personally. My heart began to cry out for more of his presence. But it was interesting because I wasn't wanting more of his presence for me. I was wanting more of his presence in me for you. Does that make, it, does that make sense? So let me show you just a couple of things that are beginning to make sense to me out of this passage. Number one, he says, but we all with unveiled face. So number one is this, take off the mask. Take off the mask, unveiled face, take off the mask. We've all been trying to take off the mask for two years, right? We, today we got to put the mask back on to walk into the airport. We've got to put the mask back on to get on the airplane. But that's not the mask I'm talking about. But I got to thinking about the mask, the mask. You know, Batman wore a mask to to hide the fact he was Bruce Wayne. Superman wore a mask to hide the fact that he was Clark Kent, right? Why are we wearing a mask? What are we hiding? What are we afraid of? What kind of mask are we wearing? Exodus 34, I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to mention it. Moses went up on Mount Sinai in, in Exodus 34 to talk to the Lord. His face would shine to such a degree that when he came down off the mountain, having met with God, his face was, was shining to such a degree that he put a veil on. That's a mask. He put a veil on because the presence of God on him scared the Israelites. Matter of fact, they could have gone up the mountain with him, but they were like, no, 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 no. You go meet with God. Because from a distance, they saw the fire hit the mountain. They could tell that something supernatural was going on. And when Moses would come down, his face was like on fire. They said, no, you go talk to God and you just come back and tell us what he said. God wants to talk to you face to face, he really does. That's, I believe when he, was, when, when he would cover his face in the early years, he was doing it out of humility. He was doing it because he didn't want to draw attention to himself. He was doing it because it caused fear among the camp. But toward the end of, of this time and this season in Moses' life, Second Corinthians tells us, and we'll put this scripture up there, that he would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at the end of what was fading away. He started pretending like there was the presence of God still there. He'd been known because of, the, of, the, of his face shining. He'd been known because he'd been with God. He'd been known because he'd heard from God. And he brought the word of God and, and leadership to the people. But when it began to fade, he didn't want people to know it was fading. So he left on the mask. How many times have we been in the presence of God and things were great in our life? And then when things started taking a turn, we didn't want to tell anybody things were taking a turn. We didn't want to cry out and ask for help. We didn't want to tell people we were desperate. We didn't want to tell them that our marriage was falling apart. We didn't want to get honest. But I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to walk in the presence of God, destined for us to walk in, we're going to have to take off the mask. We're going to have to get real. So what mask are you wearing? What mask am I wearing? I've been asking the Lord, show me. I don't want any mask. I don't don't want religion. You know, I don't want performance. I don't want shame. You know, some of us wear a mask of shame because of what we've done. Take it off. Some of us wear a mask of guilt because we don't feel forgiven. Take it off. Some of us wear a mask of fear because we're afraid of being rejected. Take it off. Have you ever been around someone they just... You can tell they're holding back. And what they're doing, they're trying to find out if you're real enough so they can be real, so they can take off the mask. But can I tell you today, Jesus is real enough you can take off the mask. I believe this church is real enough you can be yourself. You're not going to be judged here. Certainly by the leadership, take off the mask. But some of us put on a mask of performance. I would call that a mask of religion. Here's what it is. We pretend that everything's okay when it's really not. Take it off. Take off the mask. A religious performance. That's like saying, I'm good. You ever, ever talk to somebody and say, how you doing? They say, I'm fine. Define Fine. Well, all hell broke out against me last week, but I'm fine, meaning I'm still alive. You know, we, then you've got those folks, you go, how you doing? Well, two weeks ago, I got down in my back, and yesterday I sprained my ankle, and 30 minutes later, you find out how they're doing, you know. So I understand that it can be both extremes, but I want to be around real people. I don't want to be around religious people. I don't want to be religious. Let me, let me help you for just a minute to do just a little test to see if you're religious or not. Can I help you? Okay, I just got a few things here that I want to ask you to see if you might be religious. I might call it this, religious spirit. Do you have a religious spirit? Let's find out. How many, how many of you ever heard of Jeff Foxworthy? He has that list on you might be a redneck if. Now maybe I live too close to the south. I, I don't know, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a comedian. If you haven't heard him, go listen to him. About 99.9% of what he says is clean, okay? But he talks about if you do this, if you do that, you might be a redneck. For instance, here's an example. He said, if you you mow your grass and find a car, you might be a redneck. You know, if you've been around houses like that, you know what I'm talking about. If you have more than five dogs under your front porch, you might be a redneck. So he has all those kind of things. I understand that because growing up, my mother, oh, my mother was a redneck. I just have to tell you. She just was. She'd say things like this. I'd wake up in the morning, and she'd say, gee, yet? And I'd say, no, gee. She'd say, you don't, too? I'd say, all right. I'm telling you, that was conversation at my house early in the morning. I had to go to college to get that out. I can go back real quick. I'm telling you, I can go back real quick. So in the spirit of you might have a redneck, you might be a redneck, I want to ask you this, top 10 reasons why you might have a religious spirit. Here we go. Number one, if you're more concerned about being right than being righteous, you might have a religious spirit. Wear the shoe if it fits. Come on. Number two, if you're more concerned about your appearance versus the condition of your heart, you might have a religious spirit. If every sentence you speak ends with a religious phrase, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, (laughs) you might have a religious spirit. You're thinking, I know somebody that's got that. I'm telling you, I know them. Number four, if your style of worship is the measure, the rule of measure for everyone else's, you might have a religious spirit. If the length of someone's hair is more important than the length of your tongue, you might have a religious spirit. If Scripture about sin, I love this one, if Scripture about sin does not apply to you, (laughs) you might have a religious spirit. If you think people don't get healed in your church unless you lay hands on them, you might have a religious spirit. If you just went, hmm, that might be you. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you're unable to keep all the rules that you demand others live by, you might have a religious spirit. Have you ever met those folks? Yeah. If you have all the answers to all the church's problems and make sure the pastor knows your opinion every week but don't volunteer on anyone's team to help, you might have a religious spirit. (laughs) Number 10, if none of these top 10 applied to you, you might have a religious spirit. (laughs) Number 11, if it bothers you that this top 10 list actually has 11, you definitely have a religious spirit. (laughs) I don't want to be religious. I want to take off that mask. I don't want to pretend. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't want to pretend like everything's right. Especially when I go into God and I go into the presence of God and I'm like, man, I hope you didn't see what I did last night. And I hope you certainly didn't think know what I thought a few minutes ago. He does. So take off the mask. Number one, take off the mask. Number two, look into the mirror. You remember what it said? Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 again, it says, But we with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So look into the mirror. Tell me what do you see? Have you ever been to one of those carnivals or state fairs or whatever? They've got those distorted mirrors, you know, the house of mirrors, and you walk in and you stand in front of that one mirror. makes you look real wide down there and real skinny right here and real wide there, and you go, I don't like that. So you step over and get in front of the next mirror, and it makes you look like you're about that tall and about that wide. Like, uh, distorted mirrors, right? Well, we, we have a distorted mirror at home. Bought it at Walmart. Who's, who would know that you could buy a distorted mirror at Walmart? But we're not taking it down. You know why? Because you walk over there, and you get in front of that mirror, and you look about 10 pounds lighter. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Praise be to God right there. But I want to look into the right mirror. I can tell you that sometimes I don't feel as old as I look. And I'm feeling pretty good, and I'll get up, and I'll walk into the bathroom and turn on the light and look in the mirror and go, Ah! Where'd that man come from, right? You know, try to, you, you, you ladies will color your hair and look younger, and we're for it. I'm telling you, we're for it. But when guys try to do that, have you ever seen fake hair? I mean, I had a friend of mine who took black spray paint and sprayed his head. And he, I, I said, what'd you do, man? Did you put duct tape right there to keep that line straight? I mean, it looked awful. And when he finally shaved his head, we're all going, praise you, Jesus. Re- revival has come. He looked better with his shaved head than he did can spray paint, you know? But we'll, us guys, oh, man, we'll do all kinds of things to look younger. And all it does is just identify that we're walking through a midlife crisis, right? I want to look into the right mirror. I think some of us are looking in the wrong mirror. We look in the mirror and we see failure. We see disappointment. We see loneliness. We see regrets. You're looking in the wrong mirror. There are two mirrors that the Scripture talks about we're to look into. One of them we just read, it says we're to look into the presence of God, of the glory of God. Look into the mirror of the glory of God. It says we'll be changed from glory to glory. Basically what he's saying here is go face to face with the glory of God or go face to face with the presence of God. Let me tell you a good example of that. Have you ever been in a worship service? You've just been worshiping, and you haven't even heard the word yet. You've just been worshiping, and after worship, you just feel cleaner. Or after worship, you just feel closer to God. After worship, you just feel different. After worship, you feel like you could charge hell with a water pistol and win. You know, you just got this confidence in you. Sometimes you're in the middle of worship and the scripture will come back to your mind and just come alive or, or whatever it is. Sometimes you're in worship and conviction will come. But not just conviction, you'll just confess sin right in the middle of worship. And you'll just get right with God. Why? Because of the glory. Because of the presence of God. The Lord's saying we need to behold as in a mirror the glory of God. And if we'll behold in the mirror, that means to go back and look and go back and look and go back and look with new eyes. We'll begin to be changed by that presence from glory to glory. That means from one level of the presence of God to another level of the presence of God, we begin to change. That's the part of the scripture that just started tugging on me. Let me, let me ask you this. When you're in worship, what do you think about Some of us, we come in, we go, I don't like that song. All right, that's where we're at. Some of you go, wow, those words are interesting. I don't even know if those are biblical. And we'll start judging the song. Well, you're not going to get much out of it if that's where you're living. Some of us, we go in, okay, hey, new generation, new music, I'm getting into this. I I feel the presence of God. And we just start soaking it in, and, and that's a good place to start. And worship begins to be about touch me, God, touch me, God, touch me, God. And that's good. We need to be touched. But somewhere along the way, there has to be a shift where we don't just worship with hands like this. We worship with hands and heart like this. There has to become an abandonment where we behold in a mirror the glory of God and what we're doing is we're pressing into His presence and we start loving Him. We start giving to Him our worship, our attention, our mind, our will, our emotions because it's in that interaction we change. But listen, it's not so we can leave and feel better. But it is so that we can be changed. The vehicle he uses to do this is the Holy Spirit. But why glory? Well, that's an interesting word. What is it? Well, glad you ask. The glory of God is the weighty presence of God. Let me give you an example. A few years ago I got a, a Christmas present that came in a shoebox. And when I opened the package and saw that it was a shoebox, my mind immediately said, This is not. What's inside this box? How did I know that before I ever opened the box? How did I know that? Because I could see the picture on the end of, it, of the box of what should have been in the box. But it didn't have the weight of what that picture showed. We're supposed to be transformed in the image of God. But let me ask you something, and I'm asking myself the same. Do I carry the weight do I carry the weight of the glory of God? Do I carry His presence to such a degree? Listen, I'm all for laying on hands on the sick. But you know what I'm really for? Healing the sick. I'm all for teaching on deliverance and freedom. But you know what I really want to see? People get free. I'm all for evangelism. Man, you tell me somebody got saved, you'll get me crying like a baby. Because I love evangelism. But you know what I really love? To evangelize. But what happens is we come to God for us. And we got to look in the mirror and we got to inspect ourselves and we got to begin to change. But somewhere along the way, we've got to get full of Him to a degree that we can't contain it anymore. And that's where I'm headed. I want you so full of the glory and presence, the weighty presence of God that you change into His image. Now, I'm not talking about, okay, let's all grow a beard and go get a, a robe. No, that's not the image I'm talking about. I'm talking about Christ in you. Interesting verse, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's that about? The only thing that's going to change people is the presence of God. He didn't stay here to do it all on his own. He went back to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit so that we could be impacted by the glory of God to such a degree that we impact others. Have you ever been around people and you were just so burdened for them you just couldn't? You couldn't sit still. You had to do something. That's when the compassion of the Lord begins to work through you. But how many times if we said, oh, man, I, I wouldn't know what to say. Oh, I wouldn't know what to do. And we walk away and we have that empty feeling in our heart. I should have given them some money. I, I should have prayed for their child. I, I should have asked them how they were doing. You have that empty feeling in your heart. I don't want that. I want enough of the presence of God in my life that not only am I prompted to go talk to them and pray with them and just enter a conversation with them, but I've got enough of confidence that there's presence of God there that if we pray, something's going to happen. That's where I'm headed. Changed into His image. Glory by glory by glory. So the first mirror we're looking into is the glory of God. The second mirror we're looking into, I want to read it to you. It's in James chapter 1, verse 23. It says, if anyone is a hearer of the word but not a doer, he's like a man who looks, into, looks, looks at his natural face in a mirror. We've all done that. So what is he trying to say here? He goes on to say, for once he's looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Or he has immediately forgotten what he looks like. When, when I was dating Sandy, we were, uh, I guess I was a junior in high school when this happened to me. We were dating. She lived in Dallas. I lived in Waco, 100 miles apart. And back then, we didn't have email. We didn't have cell phones. So in order to talk, you know, you had to pay pretty big bucks for a long-distance bill on your telephone. I, I remember one time my long-distance bill was $300, and I thought my dad was going to kill me. That was a lot of money back in 1977, 78. And so I would save my money, and I don't even know if I've ever told Sandy this. I think I probably have. I would look for cans and, and uh, bottles and things like that that I could turn in at this local convenience store and just get a few, more, a few more quarters so that I could call her and talk to her longer. I'd do anything I could to get extra money so I could call her and talk to her a little longer, and I'd have a pocket full of quarters. We had a little code and so we'd put those quarters in, and then a, an operator, I don't even know if you even know what an operator is. An operator is a lady that interrupts a phone call and says, you're out of money, okay? They don't even do that anymore. They had jobs. They paid people to do that. And so payphone, that's a phone you put money in. Okay, I just want to make sure you know. So I'm putting quarters in this payphone. And be honest, some of you are old enough, you used to put dimes in there. I get that too. Quarters, we're putting quarters in the payphone, and we're talking and then the operator would come on and she'd say, one more minute, one more minute. And during that last minute, we had all kinds of codes. Well, you know, we'd get, I'm not going to tell you what the codes were, but we had all these kind of codes. One, and uh, what we would do is just try to talk to the last second. And we'd go back and forth with those just little statements, little statements until it went, eh, and we ran out of money. But I'm going to tell you something. I'd be away from her for maybe a week and the memory of her would start fading and I would pull out a picture and I'd look at her because I didn't want to forget that image. When we go to the Word of God and read it, God begins to put the image of who He is in us. And if we don't go back to the Word for a week, we begin to lose that image. And if we're going to become that image, we're going to have to go face to face with his glory and face to face with his word continually so that he can embed that in us and we begin to be changed. It's not that we are copying what we see. I wasn't copying her. I didn't want to become in her image. What I wanted to do was I wanted all of who she was to impact all of who I was. I want God to impact me in such a way that I began to be begin to be transformed into his image. Let me read on. But one who looks intently at the perfect law of liberty and abides by it. Another uh, passage says abides in it. Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Looking into the perfect law of liberty. What is that? That's the word of God. See, we don't read the Bible just to get the history. We don't read the Bible so we can quote it and memorize it and impress somebody. We don't just read the Bible to get through a hard time. We're just supposed to go to the Bible and read the Bible as we're looking into a mirror and let the image of of the Word, which is life, the image of the Word, which is truth, the image of the Word, listen to this. When God spoke a word, He had to take air and move it through His vocal cords. And so, therefore, His Word was not just a word written. His Word was, (laughs) and when you read the Word, He's still breathing it back to you. And that's what begins to change us. I want to look in the mirror of His Word. Every level of the glory of God changes us again and again and again. Every every revelation from, the, from His Word changes us again and again and again. Yesterday is, Pastor Evan, when you were talking about loving God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. The Lord began to speak to me again out of this and say... When you worship, worship with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. When you read the word, come after God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. It's in those engagements with God that I surrender my mind so he can continue to to sanctify it. I surrender my heart so he can continue to consume it. I surrender my soul so my emotions line up with his emotions and I don't just go off on somebody. But I'm saturated by His Spirit. And all of a sudden, I change. When I got born again, I changed immediately a lot. But as I began to live life and deal with pain and and wounds and bondage and things, I needed to go back face to face again and again and again with the Lord so He could change me. That's discipleship. Looking into this mirror. His presence. And his word will transform us. And I love that phrase where he said, it will transform us into the same image. How much of Jesus do you look like? How much of Jesus do you act like? Why don't I ask your spouse how much you're like Jesus? I'm thinking, why don't you not ask my spouse how much I like? No, I want to be so real. They're the first one that notices it. The people around you first notice. Whoa. Remember when, Jesus, uh, when the disciples had been with Jesus, the scripture said that the people in the city could tell they'd been with Jesus. It wasn't just because they talked like him or they, they walked like him. They were like him. Because the more they hung out with him, the more they became like him. And that's what I'm talking about. The word transformed is an interesting word. It means metamorphosis. That's where the word comes from, metamorphosis. I, I think the Greek is metamorphos, where we get the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis means changed completely from the inside out. That's what I'm talking about. Matter of fact, uh, another another translation says it's where the natural becomes supernatural. It's where something that was becomes something else. It happens to a caterpillar. Starts off a, a caterpillar, but then they go into a cocoon, and in that cocoon there's a metamorphosis that happens. And when they come out of that cocoon, they're a what? They're a butterfly. You don't look at a caterpillar and say, that's a butterfly. You don't look at a butterfly and say, that's a caterpillar. They're two different things. But there's a metamorphosis that happens. So I look at you and I say, you're a human being. You're a woman. You're a man. You're, you're flesh and blood. You're, you're, just, you're, you're, you're formed out of the dust of the ground. But there's another part of you where, where God breathes into us and we become a living soul. So we move in this metamorphosis from not just being a human being, but we become a living soul. And all of a sudden, we're we're not focused on this, this physical world all the time. We're still living in it, but we've so been consumed. You ever heard somebody say, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? That is impossible. I understand what they're saying, but I'm telling you, you get so full of Jesus, you're more earthly good. You'll make a difference because you've been changed. To the level and the degree that we bear his image is the level and the degree that we've been transformed. We start off in our image. We wind up in his image. 1 Samuel 10, verse 6. This happened to King Saul. don't know how long it lasted, but I want you to see this verse. It says in 1 Samuel 10, verse 6, Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, talking about the other prophets. Uh, Saul was not known as a prophet. He was a king. Let me read it again. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and then it says, and you'll be turned into another man. What turns us into another man? What turns us into another woman? The level of the presence of God that comes upon us. I want to learn to surrender to the Holy Spirit. I want to learn to stay in the presence of God a little longer. The people I know that I, that I live around the, who are the most anointed, I'm talking about anointed to live life. They're full of joy. They're real. They're great pastors. They're great leaders. They, some of them even have supernatural power on their life. When they pray for people, something happens. The people that I know that are most like that are the people that live in the Word They're continually searching the scriptures, continually yielding, continually obedient. At Gateway, we have these these three words that we use a lot, hear, believe, and obey. And that's that's what I'm saying. We hear, we believe, we obey. Sometimes we hear and believe. We hear and believe. We become charismatic convention goers. We go from convention to convention and conference to conference. And we're always trying to better ourselves. That can become an idol and that can become selfish. I don't want to just get filled with Jesus so I know what Jesus feels like. I want to get filled with Jesus so I can help somebody. Does that make sense? Number one, take off the mask. Number two, look into the mirror. And number three, discover your ministry. When I got to thinking, where's all this headed? I couldn't see it. I mean, I kept reading and reading and reading that passage over and over and over but we all with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image from, the glory, from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I love this. I'm, I'm taking off the mask. I'm looking in the mirror to get transformed. But where is all this headed? Because the Scripture ends right there. 2 Corinthians 3.18 is the end of that chapter. And then I flip the page. You're not going to believe what 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1 says. Just going to read the first few, verse, first few words. Therefore, we have this ministry. Therefore, we have this ministry. You're going to have to go read about it later to see what kind of ministry we have. But your ministry is your purpose. As a pastor, people ask me over and over and over again these questions. How do you know what the plan of God is for your life? How how do you know your destiny? How do you you hear God to do the will of God? How do you know when you're in the will of God? That is the question that just draws all of us back to the Father. Because from what I understand, only He can reveal why you're here. He's the reason you're here. Through, Through His design, He put you here. In history, this is your time here. And God, we know, doesn't make any junk. He's got a purpose for your life. And the enemy will tell you, you've sinned too much and you can't find your purpose. You'll never complete your purpose. Your purpose was years ago and you just blew through it. And you're just existing today. The enemy will lie to you over and over and over again. But I want to tell you, if you're still breathing, God can restore you and use you for your purpose. And the most blessed place to live, the most blessed place to live is right in the center of God's will doing what he called you to do there's an interesting thing with this passage you look you, you take off the mask and look into the mirror to be transformed but if you stop right there you die if you stop right there you become selfish if you stop that right there you'll get religious but when you go from right there saying God what's my ministry what do you want me to do where do you want me to go Some of you will never change your your vocation. You'll just live Jesus right there in it. Like, I don't want doctors and, and nurses to stop being doctors and nurses. I want them to carry the presence of God with them. I've got a doctor friend that's seen two people healed on the operating table because the Holy Spirit told him what to do. We need that. We need lawyers who are filled with the Holy Spirit and know how to, to, to hear God and get justice and, and mercy and the things that they need to, for their job. We need teachers who bring the Spirit of God in uh, to the classroom. Do you see what I'm saying? We need police officers and firemen who are full of the Holy Spirit. We need people working in the, in the restaurants and bars like Frank who knows God and can love people and pray for people. That's what we need. We've got to find our ministry. Our ministry really is our destiny. We've got to discover our destiny. We take off the mask and look into the mirror to discover our destiny, to discover our ministry. And the last verse I want to give you today is this What's it supposed to look like? 1 Corinthians 2 4 says this And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. I don't want to just tell people about Jesus. I want to demonstrate Jesus. Sometimes that means sitting down like like Jesus did with the woman at the well, like Sandy talked about, and just having a conversation about life. And out of that, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. I love what it said there about, about King Saul. It says the Holy Spirit came on him and changed him into another man. The Holy Spirit will come on you and, and, and help you know what to say, what to pray, what to do. Most of the time when, when I step down off this platform and I walk up to somebody to pray for them, I might ask them, what are you, what are you asking the Lord to do? Jesus did that. Jesus did that with blind people. What do you want, the Lord, what do you want me to do for you? And, and they'd say, I, I want to receive my sight. I mean, they could have said, my mother-in-law is dying and I need you to come to my house. That happened too. So Jesus would ask, what, what do you want me to do? But after he asked, what do you want me to do? Then he would pray whatever was in his heart. Some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen is when I didn't know what to do. And I just laid hands on people and began to pray. And I would sense the presence of God beginning to come. And as as I would see the difference between a natural man and what I could feel. And a supernatural thing, which was the Holy Spirit moving through me. Can I tell you, that's the greatest place on this earth to live. You will not be fulfilled until you're giving away Jesus. You'll not be happy until you're you're helping somebody else. The enemy will say, you don't have time, you don't know how, you don't have the money, you can't do that. I'm telling you, you can. Because that's where heaven moves to earth and, and then earth changes. Does that make sense? How many of you ready to take off the mask? Come on. How many of you ready to get in and look in the mirror? I'm talking about the mirror of His Word and the mirror of His Spirit. I can't describe what I see. I wish I could. I've only gotten a glimpse of it, and I can't leave it alone. It, it, it's something that happens when the Spirit of God comes. It's something that happens when He just freezes us in our tracks, and nothing else matters in that moment but our life and His will. Sometimes it happens in prayer. Sometimes it happens in worship. Sometimes it happens while reading the Word. I told my wife a while back, I, I said, I don't have enough solitude in my life. The world's loud. Might be why I like golf so much. I just get out there under the trees and There's no phones going off and nobody's talking. She'll laugh at me sometimes. I'll I'll spend four hours with another guy and she'll say, how was their family? I say, I don't know. I didn't ask them. Well, what'd y'all do for four hours? We just hit the golf ball and talked about the next shot. Why? Our hearts cry out to be alone. Our hearts cry out to be alone with God. Our hearts cry out to shut this world down. There's a reason the scripture says, be still. And know that I'm God. And it's in those times when the Spirit of God is speaking and moving on you. You don't want to move. You want to engage Him with all of your heart and all of your mind. And all of your soul and all of your strength. And you want to be so changed. That we don't go back to our bondage. But we go forward into our ministry. Into our mission. Into our destiny. Into our purpose. Oh my goodness it, Jesus. Let me pray for you. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. God, I I can't describe it, but you can. Lord, as we go back and reread this scripture, as we go back and reread even chapter four about our ministry, Lord, I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you'd open our eyes. Could you pray that right now? Would you just ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes? I'm asking for the same thing. Lord, open our eyes. Let us see what we need to see so we can do what we need to do. Lord, I stress out on so, about so many things that don't stress you out. I just have a feeling if I was full of you, it wouldn't stress me out. I wouldn't worry as much as I worry. I wouldn't be as fearful as I'm fearful. But Lord, help us to see the way you see. That we might be the way you are. We might be moved and changed from one level of your presence to another level of your presence. Today, would you just tell the Lord, I take off the mask. Ask him what it is. You say, I take it off. If it's shame, if it's fear. If it's performance. You don't want people to know who you are. Take it off. And just tell the Lord, I trust you. i take it off. And then I want you to ask him again. Give me eyes to see. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. Would you stand with me right now? Holy Spirit, I ask you to come in such a real way upon each one of us. I know Pastor Evan well enough to know that he, he'll be very comfortable with what I'm about to ask you. But I don't know if you're comfortable with it. So here's what I want to say to you. If you feel comfortable right now. I want you to lift your hands to heaven. I just want you to stretch straight up. If you don't feel comfortable, don't do it. But Lord, I'm asking you right now for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit on everyone reaching to heaven. Lord, I pray that you would do something fresh in their minds, something fresh in their hearts, something fresh in their their souls, their mind, their will, their emotions, something fresh, Lord. In their strength. Lord I pray today that you'd give them clear thoughts. Lord I pray today that you'd give them eyes to see. God I pray today you'd give us all ears to hear. God I pray today you'd give us a sensitivity to the word of, the, of God. And sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Lord we don't want to be mystical. We don't want to be weird. We want to be real. We want to look like, act like, walk like, be like Jesus. Lord, we yield ourselves to you today. We just tell you we're yours. We're yours. We're yours. Things about our future, would you give us dreams and visions? Would you let our hearts get excited about the things they're supposed to be excited about? Lord, those who are in a dead-end job, would you make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way and give them a better job? Lord, those in this room that need financial help, would you pour out? Blessing for them even from areas and directions they never dreamed. Lord, would you use other Christians to bless Christians? and Would you use us as Christians to bless the lost? Would you just make us sensitive to those that we walk by if we've got a word for them? If we've got an encouragement for them? Lord, every sick person that we walk by, if we're supposed to stop and pray for them, then come upon us with the Holy Spirit in such a way we know. If we're supposed to walk on by, then, Lord, don't stir our hearts. If we stopped and prayed for everybody, we'd never get anything done. We know that. But, Lord, we ask you to put us on assignment. Because we know if we walk in that assignment, we'll get more done than we ever got done in the flesh. Lord we love you. We love you. Just tell him you love him. In Jesus name. Amen.